Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Welcome and thank you for joining me today on The Working Therapist Podcast. I'm Hayden Bolick, your host. Kirsty Miles is joining me again today. She's the Vice President here at Pediatric Developmental Therapy. Welcome, Kirsty. Hi, it's great to be here in the studio today. We see each other a lot during the week, but on podcast days, a lot of times we're recording with her in one spot and me in another since PDT is spread out. We have multiple clinics in multiple places, but we're actually in the same room today, which is kind of cool. Also joining Kirstie and I is Jeff Burkhart. Jeff has his doctorate in clinical Christian counseling, and he is the one who's usually behind the mic, who at the end of this podcast makes myself and Kirstie, and he has to do a lot more work on me than Kirstie. Remember, I always say she's the voice of reason after all my rambling. Well, he cuts out all the rambling that you don't hear. He's the uh, engineer person behind this who's making us sound good. But he's also got a wealth of information and knowledge. And Kirsten and I were talking to him one day about prioritization and, you know, what we have to do and what we want to do. And she and I sometimes struggle with that. And then that's just a general struggle sometimes with therapists. And so Jeff had all this amazing insight because, again, his background is clinical Christian counseling. So we said, hey, why don't you just flip this situation around and be our guest? So welcome, Jeff. Well, thank you. And it is kind of weird to be on this side of the microphone, so. I'm usually just sitting here with the headphones, smiling and nodding. So today, like I said, we are talking about prioritization. And like Kirsten and I say a lot, what we have to do versus what it's nice to do, right? Yeah, and we do hear a lot of the overwhelmed word. No, oh, yeah. And so I think when you hear that word a lot, it's like, well, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And it all goes back to prioritization. When we do hear the overwhelmed word, I mean, I think I've learned through the years to sort of unpack that a little bit. Because really, when you start to unpack it and talk to somebody about what's overwhelming them, it's usually the all the extraneous stuff they really don't have to do, or people are creating stuff that they really don't have to do. So that's really where Jeff came in on the scene, right? Right. Yeah, and basically what we talked about in that conversation that's going to become today's podcast is just some things that I've picked up through the years through different seminars I've been to, some from Franklin Covey, Fred Pryor, and, you know, you just pick things up along the way, and and I kind of actually compiled and edited this for someone that was in my counseling office, Hmm. and they were having a hard time with this themselves, and I said, well, you know, let me tell you a few things that I've learned along the way, and I kind of decided to just kind of put it all in a concise format for them, and then I shared that with you guys, and and that's kind of what we're talking about, and it's just a pretty simple grid that you can do on any sheet of paper, and we'll put a link in the podcast notes that uh, has this information on it. You just can take a piece of paper and put one line down the middle vertically, one line down the middle horizontally, and you can prioritize everything that you're dealing with on a daily basis. So kind of like taking a to-do list, which I'm not like a list kind of girl. Like, I really don't love a to-do list, but if I am ever feeling overwhelmed, writing everything I have to do down does help. It does. And then once you get it all down, then you see that there's some things that are really, really important and there's some things that really are not. And there's a little small booklet I read years ago that someone gave to me called The Tyranny of the Urgent. And then from a uh, Fred Pryor seminar, they, they kind of touched on some of that. And, uh, and this kind of all came together in my brain that if you take that piece of paper and you put a vertical line down the middle and then a horizontal line across the middle, divide that into four quadrants. And on the top left quadrant, You write above that urgent and the top right quadrant, non-urgent. And then on the left-hand side of the paper, the top left box is important and then non-important on the bottom. And then you see where these come together. If you can kind of picture that in your mind, you've got four boxes. The top box is urgent and important. Top right box is non-urgent but important. And then you have your non-importance on the bottom 
the bottom is non-important and urgent, and then the bottom right box would be non-urgent and non-important. Well, of course, those, you know, you can get rid of those. But most people spend their time, most of their time, in the bottom left box. It's not the most important stuff that they do, but it's the most urgent stuff. It's the phone ringing. It's mm-hmm. someone walking in your office. Someone calling you or texting you or your Facebook notification going off. It's all those things that are yelling at you, screaming at you right now, but they're not really important to you accomplishing your goals, accomplishing the tasks that you have for today that are the most important things. And a lot of people spend about 80% of their time in that bottom left box because things just keep flying at you all day long, and it's the fires you have to put out all the time. But it's not necessarily something that's going to cause you to accomplish what you want to be accomplishing. So those are all the people that are coming to you during the day as you're treating, if you're treating somewhere like a school or somewhere like, okay, this IEP is due and I need the goals right this minute. Well, you have to have 10 days notice for an IEP meeting. So somebody just didn't get you their mess on time. And now they've put you into their urgent, important box. But really for you, it's urgent, not important. Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, of course, the top uh, box, the urgent, important, those are the got to do's. Those have got to be done today. These are the things that, you know, you've got to prepare for tomorrow's meeting. You've got a deadline that's coming up tomorrow and you've got to get that IEP or whatever done. You've got some paperwork that's got to go out. You've got this uh, home visit to do for you guys uh, or whatever it is that you've got. This is the urgent stuff that's on today's task list, got to be done, and it's important stuff. Can't look over it. Those need to be your top priorities. Now, if you look at a Franklin Covey system, they'll have you prioritize your task once you put them out. And this box kind of helps you you do that. You could, you know, do an A, B, C, D or whatever with A being your top priority. And your urgent, important tasks are going to be your A's or your 1's or your stars or your flags or whatever you want to notate them with in your task list. Those have got to be done. They're urgent. You've got a deadline that's close and they're very important things to do. That's going to be the top of your food chain when you look at your task list. But your greatest amount of productivity is going to come out of that top right box that's non-urgent but it's important. And these are the things that don't have a close deadline. They're not due tomorrow, but they're coming. And you know they're coming, uh, and they're important. These are those goals that you've set for yourself, those things that you want to achieve that, you know, we just came through Hurricane Florence, and uh, my wife and I cleaned out some closets that we've been wanting to clean out for a long time. (laughs) When everything slowed down and the Internet quit working and all that, and all the urgent stuff stopped yelling at us, we're like, hey, you know that thing we've been wanting to do for a while? It's really important because we had to make some more space. My mom has moved in with us now, and so this is some of my – Son stuff that got married and doesn't even live with us anymore. This <laughs> junk needed to go. Yeah, needed yep. to go just so that we could make more room for mom. You know, and it was important, but it wasn't urgent. And so that stuff tends to get pushed to the back burner very easily. But those are the things where you get your greatest amount of productivity because when you're doing the urgent important things, you got to do those. But what happens is when you put off the non-urgent important things, they become urgent eventually. So for a therapist thinking about their daily notes, if you see 10 patients today, by the end of the day, those 10 daily notes have to be done. They're urgent, important. They have to be done. Well, a daily note's a daily note. Should it be done next week? No, No, not really, because it's not going to be accurate. You lose all the accuracy and relevant information that's important for that day, for that treatment session. And that's why I harp on that a lot with people. So if you're a month behind on daily notes, number one, it's not acceptable. But number two, 
Now you have all of this urgent, important stuff to do on a day-to-day basis, but you've let so much other stuff go that when stuff that is not important and urgent comes in, they're like, well, I'm so behind on all this other stuff, whatever. Then you're overwhelmed. (laughs) Yep. Well, you know, you mentioned a minute ago, uh, maybe one example from, from your line of work, you mentioned that you have 10 days to do an IEP meeting or something like that. Yep. Okay. That would go in your top right box. It's not due tomorrow. Someone asks you today, hey, I need an IEP for this student. And so you put that in your non-urgent important important box. It gets shoved to the back. You've got to do your urgent importance. You've got the urgent non-importance where people are just walking in. I kind of made some titles for these boxes. The urgent important, I call the must-dos. The must-dos. These are the things you absolutely must do today. The non-urgent importance are the need-tos. Well, I know I need to work on that IEP, but it's not due for another eight days. And we can always figure out some kind of, I mean, I know I can. I'm not an organizational guru by any means. I need all the help I can get, which is why I've been to so many seminars. <laughs> <laughs> you, let, you, you battled off a whole bunch of people's names. I'm like, yeah, this is an area of growth. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, it is. No, it's me too because I'm not even, uh, it is mine because I'm afraid to say too much actually in this podcast for fear of what I'll reveal about myself. <laughs> and, yeah, <exactly. laughs> so I'm just going to keep quiet I'm like, here. <laughs> should I even be on this podcast? No, no I'm not. Really, I, I should. Well, I need to be a listener. Yeah. <laughs> but go yeah. ahead. I'm, I'm the facilitator. Yeah. And, and yeah. Those, but but that, that's what happens is those need tos get shoved to the back burner because then you've got the urgent non-importance. Those are the hear me's. Hear me right now. Mm-hmm. Someone says, hey, can I talk to you about this for a second? Can we cover this? Can we talk about that? I know you're busy, but I know you're in the middle of this thing, but, or, hey, I know we're, you're getting ready to run out the door, but I've got these three things or whatever. I don't mean like negative, but it's just, I don't treat a caseload of kids nowadays. I treat kids a lot, but I don't carry a full caseload. But even when I was carrying the full caseload, that still happened. And people go, like, hey, I know, can you, we do need to do that, right? That's a hear me. Hey, oh, I yeah, this that's right a hear me. And, and our Southern hospitality, for those of us from the South, you know, and we're trained to be polite and we never answer, is this a bad time with yes? <laughs> no, of course not. That's too rude. I was trained not to do that. Exactly. No. That'd be rude. No. Yeah. no. That's not nice. No, you and can't so, do that. Is this a bad time? Um, no, nothing. No, bad. come on in. <laughs> and you know, and actually in, in all of our roles here, people are always number one. So it's always people business. So it's, it's hard to business. say no anyway if it's people because people are always number one. And so right. then we always end up putting people first. And in any role where you're a service provider, people always end up first. So I think we're just wired to be like people first and stuff second. Do you think? Well, kind of some agree? people are. You know, you, you have your, you, I'm a people person. So, you know, that's me. I'm social you know, butterfly person, I'm talk to everybody in the room, all that kind of stuff. And then you have your people who are more task oriented rather than people oriented. And they don't have problem with this stuff. They're not going to the seminars. They're the ones that are standing up front (laughs) teaching the seminars that I go to. (laughs) Let me me glean a little info. Yeah, no, I agree. And they're they're looking at me with that Kirsty face saying, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Yes, that's right. No, Kirsty is better about this. But like, if I'm just going through and seeing my kids and stuff, it's very hard for me if a teacher says, I need to ask you about someone who's such and such. It's very hard for me to say no to that. Especially if it involves a child and it's therapy related. I don't, I mean, you know, it's hard for me to say no. I hear that. A lot of times for a situation like that, you know, if I'm working with a child, well, I want to give that child my undivided attention. So I might be like, I have about 15 minutes left and then I'll come find you. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to handle it right now. But 
they know I'm coming. But then that's going to put off, if you didn't have that plan to do next, then that's going to put off whatever it was you did plan to do next. I mean, that's where it requires a little bit of flexibility on your part. Like you can't be so rigid of this is my daily schedule and this is how it's going to go. Because if I'm living in the non-urgent important, it's important for me to treat all of those children. But this one just flew in as an urgent because he needs his standard adjusted. So I'm just going to take and flip-flop those two and I'll get them both done. That's why she teaches these classes. Go ahead. Uh, absolutely. So you've got your hear, your hear me's, and then you have your non-urgent, non-important, and these, I call these the want these. These are the things that have no real productive value, no deadline, and everybody wants these. Don't mm. you want these? Don't you want times that have no demands and no deadlines? Uh, these are like mini vacations. They're, uh, they're our little escapes that we do throughout the day, you know, that we when we sneak in that game of spider solitaire or words with friends or whatever, <laughs> you know, and... Sometimes, if you can control that and not get caught up in that, that's like hitting a mental reset button. So there's a place for those because sometimes you get so overwhelmed throughout the day and you guys, we've talked about the emotional bucket. Everything that you guys deal with is emotional. You see a child who's struggling and you want to help that child so bad and that child's maybe not making the rate of progress that you think he should or maybe things aren't happening that uh, you wish would happen or maybe, you know, you just can't figure out that one little nuance to get that kid to the next level and that's very emotional. Because, I mean, you're wired to make this kid better. And then sometimes those things are out of our control, man. The, those dump into your o emotional bucket. When you have things like the hurricane we just went through, any kind of disaster, a loss in your family, anything that's emotional, an argument with your spouse or, you know, a hard day with your kids or you get some bad news, all those things are emotional and our emotional bucket's only so big, and we keep putting it in all the time. Everyone who goes through a traumatic situation has post-traumatic stress. But post-traumatic stress disorder comes from not dealing with the stress or not having time to deal with the stress. And so post-traumatic stress disorder happens with soldiers because they're in a stressful situation, a very traumatic situation today, and they don't have time to process that. The people who were just in Hurricane Florence, they went through trauma. Mm -hmm. But we're not having another hurricane next week. Hopefully not next year or two years from now, like we've had these two in two years from Matthew and, and Florence. Florence. But so there's going to be time to process it. When you don't have time to process that, that's when it becomes uh, the disorder and people begin to have problems handling anything else emotional. We all have this emotional bucket and you've got to have some time in these want these kind of things, these times where you just get away, you take the long drive home, you do something that empties out some of that emotion. You know when you're on the brim and when that emotional bucket gets to the brim and you know if you've ever filled a glass up with water very slowly, you know how it can get actually over full mm -hmm. and you have that surface tension and then it only takes one drop to spill it and woe be into the person who puts in the last drop because <laughs> they're going to get the whole be a bad day yeah 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 no I agree with you about that yeah sure that makes so sense so we have to have some of these little escapes to say you know what man I need just need to go out and take a walk around the office building parking lot and just breathe a little bit and, and get a little sunshine fresh air and just and then I can come back and you know what I can jump right into that urgent important box and I can knock out about 50 things but right now I just got to have a mental reset and so you know, it's, it's okay to do those, but unfortunately, sometimes we get so overwhelmed that our mental reset keeps going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny, and we never get back to our urgent tasks and our important tasks. No, that makes sense. I mean, I think really you're talking about also being self-aware and paying attention because we don't allow these, want these. And you're right, there does have to be breaks in the day, and you have to give your minute to decompress, and that's important. But then you got to be able to sort of know when to, you know, 
when that's enough when you've given yourself that minute or time and then you can go back. So you are giving yourself a break. You're giving yourself permission to have a break. So like during lunch, hey, I'm gonna eat my lunch. I'm gonna walk around outside from it, like you said, or, you know, whatever, or just get away from the building that you're in for just a minute and come back. Just like what you said, sort of a mental break, but then not letting that mental break, knowing when you're kind of done with it and then not letting other things kind of jump in there. So for example, like if you've got 30 minutes, patient canceled or whatever, 30 minutes. So instead of like Googling ideas about your next kiddo, that's kind of a, a non-urgent, not important like google therapy ideas you know versus writing the daily notes that you had to do from the morning you know you already had your mental break at lunch that's a non-urgent non-important so putting that off and going back to what you got to get done although is that right yeah or no? i would say so because what happens is those non-urgent non-important things those are the fun things yeah yeah. yeah, but sometimes people can think, oh, well, no, this is really super urgent, important. They're mislabeling it kind of thing. Is it important to think about ideas for your next client? I'm not saying it's not, but do I need to go and look on Pinterest for 30 minutes or Google oh, all the various swings that I want to look at that are good ideas versus like right. then I have something productive to show for that 30 minutes? See, you know exactly, what I'm exactly. Yeah. But we pretty much can figure out a way to justify just about anything. Yes. So, again, going back to trying to step into you guys' world, why are your daily notes so piled up? Well, you know, I needed to spend this time on Google looking for ideas for this one kid that's not breaking through. And so that 10 minutes turned into 20 minutes, which turned into an hour and 20 minutes. And, hey, I think I found a good idea. But probably in your world, you've got 10 therapists around you that could have given you that good idea in a one five-minute conversation. Mm -hmm. And we always say, like, do it in the moment. So when you're struggling in that very moment and there's a therapist right down the hall next to you, pull her in. Be like, hey, I need you now. Come take a look at this real quick so that you don't spend 30 minutes later. Yeah, that's true. And then I think also, we say this a lot, there's always got to be work-life balance. You know, you do have to have work-life balance. So at the end of the day, you need to be able to leave your work at work and then go home and be the best you you can be versus like going home and Googling a bunch of ideas about your kids for the next day, you know, or there's this new diagnosis I've never heard of before. And you spend like three hours at, at night just looking up and it sort of takes you on this rabbit hole trail of all this stuff. You're not giving yourself a mental break from work to do something that you does that make sense? You know, you said you're just carrying the work home, but it's really not necessarily productive work time. What I'll hear people say is, well, gosh, I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm just doing all this work during the day. and I'm doing all this work at night. But I'm like, well, but the work at night, I'm not discounting it. And I'm not saying it's not, I understand sometimes we got to look up stuff and we got to do research for some things and all that kind of stuff, but understand what it is. And when you just need to cut it off and be like, you know what, I'm going to wait till this patient comes in tomorrow. I know what this diagnosis is. I've read up, you know, a little bit on it, that kind of thing. So let's just see who walks through the door and then I'll work accordingly. Yeah. And I think it, that overwhelming can tie back to that emotional bucket kind of thing. Cause yeah. when you don't disconnect, yeah, you keep pouring into that bucket. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You keep pouring into that bucket and, and you're just getting more stressed and more stressed. I was joking with uh, someone yesterday that I was talking to that said, hey, my cardiologist says uh, I need a stress test. And I said, oh, I said, I could I could tell him uh, I don't have to have a, a test. I'm stressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Yep, I, I got can that. tell him right now I'm stressed. And of course, I let her know we'd be praying for her, but uh, for all that. But, you know, when you, when you don't disconnect from it. And some of us have a harder time with that than others. We carry the, the load of that. We can carry that full emotional bucket home. And then the first time the two kids get in an argument, they've just put the last drop in. And then you dump the bucket and then you feel like a horrible person or you dumped it on your spouse or you dumped it on your best friend or whatever. You feel like a horrible person. And if you would have just taken some time to disconnect, take the long drive home, put the windows down, 
turn the music up loud, whatever it is you like to do, you know, and, and, and empty and create a little space in the top of that bucket so you can deal with that next thing. We, we all got to learn to do that. I have to remind myself of that constantly. One of the things at PDT that we really tell people about often is our action item list. And it has a who, what, when. Um, and that really is a parking lot for stuff that you can't do right now, but it's important at mm-hmm. some point in time. But not that I used an action item list, but ever since I started doing therapy, I would always have a piece of paper or something laying around where I could, I need a parking lot. I need somewhere to put it because I have all this stuff going on in my head. And then I would go home and I'd be thinking about it. And I just, I need it to go somewhere else because I'd be worried I'd forget about it. And that's somebody's most important person. So when you're talking about prioritizing and what we do on a daily basis, I would be worried I'd forget about it. So I would want to take care of everything right then and there in the moment. And you can get to a point where there's potential burnout with that. So having that action item list is a way for people at PDT to really park it somewhere. Is it really important to do today, right now, mm-hmm. or can that wait? And when I have that patient cancel, I'm going to go to my list and be like, hey, I have 45 minutes of open time. Let's start banging out some stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And those are going to be that top right hand box. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think there's a great mental release value in putting it somewhere that, you know, it's not going to be lost because I think you're you're right. And for me, I'm not a paper person and I'm not a write it down on a list kind of person. That's not my natural tendency. Um, As a matter of fact, one time after I had a meeting with with one of my bosses one time, a long time ago, this has been, uh, oh, gosh, about 17 years ago. And uh, he told me something. He said, you know what I figured out? He said, you seem really unorganized. He said, but you're really pretty organized. It's just all in your head and no one else knows. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I think I used to be able to do that to a point, like where I didn't have to write it down. But then when it got to be so much and I started losing track of stuff or forgetting stuff, then it was a, because I'm a huge responsibility person, that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm falling short. So by putting it down somewhere, and I even do that now, it goes on my calendar, and then it almost becomes a placeholder, and I can shift and move stuff around on my calendar, but it's holding time, so I know that I have, like, play in the schedule. Right, right. This conversation is fantastic. Let's pause right here and we'll continue our discussion. And you can check out this information that we've talked about on the podcast on theworkingtherapist.com. And please join us again for part two. So thanks everybody for listening. And I'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com.